thank you for a huge year on the Words and Nerds podcast. In 2021, the podcast had more than 250 conversations with authors, publishers, agents, booksellers, podcasters, and other amazing bookish people in approximately 200 episodes. There are three spin-offs, Ben Hobson's Burgers, Beers and Books, Josie Layton's A Different Page, and Nathan J. Phillips's The Regular Takeover. We had 22 takeover guests and growing, a summer series takeover, a NaNoWriMo series, crossovers, and the incredibly popular Publishing Insider series. The podcast appeared at literary festivals. We hosted live streams at bookshops for book launches, including the much-loved Four Continents for Critics. This holiday series is all about you, the listeners. Enjoy the most listened-to episodes of 2021 to get you through the holiday period. Stay safe and read more books. Words and Nerds presents Publishing Insider. listening to the Words and Nerds spin-off series Publishing Insider with Danny V and Adrian Beck, where we go behind the scenes of the publishing industry to give you an in-depth insight into the publishing industry. Today we get inside the minds of booksellers Rachel Robson and Scott Whitmont. Scott Whitmont is the Business Development and Relationship Manager for Booktopia Publishing Services at Booktopia. He previously owned and operated Linfield Bookshop and the Children's Bookshop, passionate about books, and Scott is a former president of the Australian Booksellers Association, New South Wales. He's also on the organising committee for the Sydney Jewish Writers Festival. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here, Adrian. Fantastic to have you here. We've got uh, sort of a digital digital expert, uh, the digital space expert, who's also got a bit of a background in the in the traditional bricks and mortar sort of store. But we're gonna turn our attention now to someone who uh, is very much in the, in the uh, what would you call it, the coalface of book, book selling. Uh, Rachel Robson has been a children's bookseller for 17 years, but never really grew out of kids' books. Her passion for kids' books really began in the UK, working at Seven Stories, a fabulously fun children's book museum, celebrating and housing the British collection of original illustrations and manuscripts. Her favourite part of being a bookseller is keeping kids engaged with reading through events and bookish mischief like book clubs, rhyme time, story time and author illustrator events. The best. Rachel was nominated for Bookseller of the Year last year and she's found her spiritual home at Glee Books in Sydney. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel Robson. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I guess maybe we should start off by uh, just getting a little bit of uh, background info on what your actual roles entail. What uh, Maybe we'll start with you, uh, Scott. What uh, what can you tell us about your role there at Booktopia? Well, um, I'm a bit of a hybrid, as you said, between a bricks-and-mortar bookseller and an online bookseller because I had a bricks-and-mortar shop for many, many years, which uh, sadly closed to lease issues. And then I re-emerged from those ashes at Booktopia, uh, which has a... Um, distribution and publishing arm called Booktopia Publisher Services. We now publish a number of titles under Booktopia Editions imprint and also Brio Books, which has just joined us. And uh, we distribute for over 120 publishers um, from overseas and locally, and uh, some are academic and professional and others trade books. So what I do at Booktopia is uh, help to market those titles that we publish and distribute to the trade, to bookshops, library suppliers, um, 
educational institutions also um, to encourage them to buy from us uh, wholesale and uh, know that we have that separate side of the business which is uh, nothing to do with our retail website um, but uh, encourage you know booksellers to to know that we're we're their friends and uh, as I speak bookseller that's what I was I was hired to do so I, I helped with key accounts sales including to Glee books I might add um, doing uh, the promotion of the books that we distribute Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, what about Rachel? Rachel, what can t you tell us about uh, your role there at Glee Books? Uh, so as a children's specialist, um, my role, it, so I see reps order books for the shop, but I see my role as kind of um, making the bookshop uh, the heart of the community. So um starting at, at babies during rhyme times and story times and book clubs and um, getting those books that you fabulous people write uh, out to the community and, and dealing with the kids. So I get the, the fun job, really, mm. uh, engaging with, with the kids and um, getting the books into the right hands. I love that. I love how you start with the babies and you do the rhyme time. I love that because that creates readers for life, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. It's been lovely seeing those kids um, as they get older, feeling really comfortable walking into the bookshop and, and waltzing in and saying hi and, <laughs> and yeah, really feeling comfortable in there. It's, it's yeah, right up through book clubs and, yeah. Who doesn't feel comfortable in a bookshop? Absolutely. <laughs> Smell of all those pages. Yeah. I sometimes just Absolutely. sit down and uh, and relax and line the shelves. I'm that comfortable sometimes. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's enough about me. What's the best part about being a bookseller, uh, Rachel? Is it is it the fact that you make a connection with these with these kids and see them grow up uh, through through the years? Yeah, that definitely. That you that's, like the most? that's my absolute favourite part of it is when those kids come back and and you've recommended them something and they've loved it and they want more. So, because um, people have suggested, why don't you go into teaching? And, but I love that. I love seeing those kids. Some of those kids who don't like reading come in and you help them light that fire. So, yeah, they're the ones. Yeah, they're it's the definitely the kids. Mm, yeah. I love that. And what about you, Scott? I mean, you've been a bookseller for 20 years. What was your yeah. favourite part or the part that people don't see a lot? Is it the arcs? I reckon it's the arcs. <laughs> yeah, well, look, first of all, I've got to agree with Rachel. I, I love seeing the kids grow up in the shop and, and I was there long enough to see, you know, kids ended up just before I left uh, the shop coming in with their own kids when I, oh, you know, they wow. used to shop with their parents when they were kids. That's and, great. and that's so gratifying. And, and we'd have, you know, someone would come in, a, a customer pregnant, and then they'd come in with a baby and we always gave them a, a cloth book and said, this is the first book. It's a present from us. May it lead to a lifetime of reading. And then, you know, you've got a customer for life and they'd come uh -huh. in and we'd love to see those kids growing up. But yes, advanced reading copies is very exciting. They're, they're the copies that the publishers send out for pre reading and review so that by the time the customer comes into the store we can say oh we've already read this and it's great and put it in their hands and hand sell it and uh, you know you can't read all the advanced reading copies that you receive but it's a real joy and pleasure to to get those that's certainly one of the advantages and and something I really miss I mean I still get arcs but I miss seeing the all the books in advance because they're sold in two or three months in advance of course um, but I'm now not on that side of the business now that I'm with Booktopia I'm 
I'm not on the on the buying team for the website, so I now have to go into my local bookshop to see what all the new releases are because I used to see them automatically in advance, and I really miss not seeing them all in advance. Yeah. That's very exciting when you open and pull pull out those books and no one else has seen them before you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that is exciting. I was just going to say, apart from the kids, I think also with the adults, it's, I, I really loved as a bookseller uh, connecting someone with a new author or a new genre and them getting excited and inspired by it and, and then coming in later saying, oh, you've changed my reading life because I've now discovered this genre or I've now discovered this series of books or this author that I didn't know before. And that hand selling and passing on the passion for the authors or series that you love to customers and having them appreciate it. That I really loved. And, you know, those teenage kids, particularly boys, but not exclusively boys, who said, oh, I don't really read unless I'm forced to at school. And then putting them onto the right book and they realize they do want to read and they do love it. And knowing that you've been partially responsible for that, you know, that's a real joy of bookselling. Mm. I'm sure you agree, Rachel. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And with that reluctant reader, it's just about finding that book, isn't it? It's about finding that book, putting it in their hands. And then when you can do that, you do have that reader for life, right? Exactly. You know, they say, oh, I don't like reading and say, well, actually, that's not true. You think you don't, but it's just because you haven't found the right book yet or the right book for you. And, uh, you know, there's a right book for, for every reader out there. But, um, you know, they get put off when the school says you have to read this and it, whatever this is mightn't be necessarily their thing. You know, so <laughs> helping them find their thing is a, is, a, is a challenge, but it's a real gratification too when yeah. you get it right. <laughs> and it's finding that balance with parents as well who come in. I think that's a tricky one because the parents have an idea of what they want their children to read. But when you're actually quizzing the kids on what they're interested in or, yeah, generally what they like doing, it's, it is often quite different to what the That's parents. very interesting. Yeah. And the kid was like, yeah. I want a book on farts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to read Andy Griffiths, let's say, and the kid was like, yeah, I do. I'm like, would you listen to your kid? He wants to read. Let him read. If you don't like that sort of book, let me tell you, he will get beyond it and move through that phase, but let him exercise his imagination mm. and read and he will move on to other things, and which, of course, they always do. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so what if you don't? Because reading is also about pleasure, you know, learning. Yes, yes. of course, but it's also about yes. finding joy. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm on this podcast to ask the really obvious questions because I'm a, <laughs> that's the sort of how my brain works. And this is an obvious question that I'm dying to ask you both. How does a book get on the shelf of a bookshop? Yeah. Or in Booktopia's case, how does it get on the Booktopia website. Now, both published authors and emerging authors have some idea of how a book is created, that process, but then there's this magical phase. It's called the sell-in, the sell-in, the sell-in. See the echo there? So magical. What the heck is the sell-in? Is, is that what we're trying to work out? Is that what it's called? Yes. I'm lost, Rachel. You need to help me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> you go first, Rachel. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the rep will come in and uh, some reps, I find... A rep? What's a rep? Um, uh, uh, Is that like when I'm at the gym and I've got to do 50 reps? You're yes, never you're exactly never at the gym. Like at the gym. Uh, no, I'm never at the gym. A, a publisher's <laughs> account manager. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and they come in and tell you about all these fabulous books that are coming out. Um, some reps are more enthusiastic than others. Okay. Uh, and I tend to buy more from those reps. Uh, it's interesting. I think kids' books selling, um, a, a, a lot of people seem to be terrified of kids' books. 
I know working in lots of different bookshops, some of the staff are scared of kids' books being really? asked questions. How are they, they scared? Well, they, they don't. I guess they don't read kids' books. Right. So, um, and a lot of reps are having to sell in. Some reps are having to sell in both adult and kids, and can't read everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tend to just breeze through the kids' section. But some <laughs> reps are fabulous and uh, and read everything. And if they're enthusiastic. You're enthusiastic, but um, so they come in and they tell you, they give you a, a spiel about all these all these books that are coming out soon, and yes. then you get to choose which ones make it onto the shelf. Yes. Wow, yeah. the power! I know. It's, it's, it's a bit frightening, really. <laughs> it, the, the process is quite shocking when some authors learn about it, because what they don't realise is that people like Rachel and and I, or when I had my bookshop anyway. would see perhaps, um, you know, a dozen reps uh, or two or three reps a day, let's say, um, you know, a dozen or so a week. And we'd see them depending on the size of the publishing house they represent or distributor they represent between between half an hour and an hour. And they would show us between 50 or 200 books that are coming out in one or two or three months hence. And some of them would present on a laptop or iPad. So the old-fashioned ones would have a book with, you know, advanced information sheets on there. So some of them, they had samples of the whole book or maybe a sample chapter or just a picture of the cover. And they would tell us, they'd give us the spiel about the author, what the book's about, why we might be interested in it, um, whether or not it was going to have a lot of publicity if the author was touring, if the author was appearing at a local writers festival or getting publicity or being in the weekend magazine or the newspaper, um, all those bits of information that would help us gauge whether there would be an extra demand or how many we should order if in fact we did want to order that book. We know our market and what sells and what doesn't so we'd base our decision on that too. But the shocking part is that given the number of books they had to sell in in a limited period of time, perhaps it would be 30 seconds to a minute on each title only for us to make a decision Mm -hmm. now those poor authors out there have been working perhaps on the book for five years it's Mm. been their baby and the thought that the bookseller's got to decide in 30 seconds to a minute and perhaps say yes we love the look of it we'll order a stack of those or no that's not for us and move on to the next one it's uh you know it's got to capture our attention and it's easy if it's a famous author that we go, oh, it's the next John Grisham or Kate Grenville or Tim Winton. We don't need to know much more information than that because we know it'll be a bestseller. But for the authors that we don't know, you know, what's what's going to capture us? The fact that we got an arc, as you said, an advanced reading copy, and so we got enthusiastic about it, or it's just got a fabulous cover, or the plot sounds interesting, or, you know, what will make it stand out from the crowd? And that's what we have to do as booksellers deciding, sorting the wheat from the chaff, what we're going to stock, if we're going to stock it at all, and in what number. And mm. it's, it's you know, a lot of books to go through and hard to decide, and unfortunately, some get lost in the mix because mm. of the sheer numbers that come out every month. And, and there's so much That's that influences the that. There's so much that influences that decision because you've got your specific market of the people coming into your store. Then you've got, you know, what you know about the author. You've got the marketing plans because, as we know, some authors get the huge marketing campaigns and some don't. Um, and then you've also got, you know, the, the blurb and the, the cover and things that you think are going to be interesting and stand out. So there's a lot of decision-making to make really fast, right? That's why it's important to stay on top of 
of what's happening in yeah um, and what's popular and of course the difference adrian you know you're asking between the bricks and mortar and uh, online digital like booktopia is you know there's a certain particular market i used to have in linfield that i catered to and i knew uh, from experience but booktopia of course what is the market it's it's everyone and everything you know people yeah. buy online from all across the country so the buying team who do sit down with the reps in the same way as a bookshop does they come and present a booktopia or, or if we're in lockdown <laughs> they present virtually online in zoom but one way or another they present the same way but that buying team has to be thinking about uh, catering to the whole market, not just a certain demographic. So it's quite a wider uh, selection they have to make and decision to to cover the whole country, which is um, something I don't envy them. I, you know, I used to know my own little market, but to know what would be interesting for everybody across the whole country, whatever their demographic, that's that's a much bigger kettle of fish. Yeah, well, so much power in their hands. I think it's important for authors and illustrators who are starting out is, is go and make that connection with your local bookshop and um, we've seen like the temples and Gabrielle Evans for years have been coming in as customers and, and asking you know what's selling what's just having a look at what are kids reading asking those questions um, and making that connection with the bookseller yeah. Um, so I think that's Very so. Important. When those those reps are coming in and selling in, those authors and illustrators who don't have the name, we know who they are, and we're excited about the fact that it's their first book. And so that's been a lovely part of my job is is engaging with with people who are just starting out as well. Mm, I really like that they're building the relationship. And does it make a difference if, you know, an author, you know an author is going on tour and they're going to go hit every bookshop and they're going to sit in your store and sign books and meet people? Does that influence your decision? Um, it's nice I because we do a lot of events. Yep. So I love having that three months in advance knowing that Adrian is coming to Sydney and all. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. Um, I've grown a beard. Fingers crossed. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, and yeah, getting the calendar out and saying, yes, let's, what could we do? What can we do? Mm. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, you don't have to be a big personality. You don't have to hang from the ceiling or whatever. Oh, Adrian um, was ready to do that. But I, I do like a bit of, a bit of ceiling action <laughs> oh, i think we better leave that one alone <laughs> um but you know even if you're not doing an event i think just an author popping in and introducing yeah. themselves yeah, uh, that connection is important but authors have to understand that they they've got to get used to rejection which i'm sure they they are already used to from trying to get it published in the first place <laughs> but my point is that not every bookseller will welcome them yeah. um i think and they you should, can't do an event but, for everyone either so it's it's not no yeah but I found that just when an author would pop in the shop and say, look, you know, my name's Sally Kafoops. I've just published this book. I want to let you know about it. If you don't already, here it is. Maybe here's a sample copy. I'm happy to sign stock if you'd like me to. I'm local. If they're local, I could do an event or I'm just passing through and I wanted you to know about my book. Um, I appreciated that because 
as I said, something's got to make a book stand out when I see hundreds and hundreds every week, and that would put it on my radar and would make me interested to look at it closer and mm. say to customers, oh, the author popped in or we have signed copies, and uh, that made it stand out and was good and it made me more enthusiastic. But some booksellers will say, I'm too busy, go away. And I say to those authors, look, even if you just say, I don't want to keep you, didn't want to interrupt you, but here's a copy or here's my card, uh, here's, here's the, it's got my website on it, if you'd like more information, at least they'll be left with a knowledge of you and your book, even if they don't make you feel totally welcome and semi-kick you out. And then, <laughs> then you get others who'll say, come in, sit down and tell me more, and yeah. you'll find everything in between. But I think making that connection and, and putting you and your book on the bookseller's radar is, is very important, apart from events. And yeah. if, if you can do an event, that's all the better, but even if you can't. Sally Kafoops obviously uh, really made yeah. an impression on you, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she right. yeah. <laughs> She sounds terrific. <laughs> now, well, just on that, what I do when I when I go into an, into a bookshop when I've first I've never been to a bookshop before, I'll walk in the door and I'll spread my arms out wide and I'll say, "Author in the house, everyone <laughs> look at me!" And then I'll sort of twirl around and I'll sort of feel like I'm in my own musical and I'll expect a lot of acclaim. So, Scott, I'm picking up that that might uh, not be what you appreciate. You? <laughs> not not well. <laughs> Security's been called more than once. <laughs> so should you, are you saying we should be a little bit more low key? Perhaps slightly. So, some some booksellers might say, "How refreshing! I've been in lockdown. That's great." But um, I don't know. No, no. I, I'd say you know understand that a bookseller running a business, especially during these hard times, you know they're busy. It's hard. But if you just say, "Is the manager or owner available?" I just want to introduce myself. If not, can I leave some information? Um, I just want, wanted you to know about me and my book and say hello. And if there's anything I can do to help you sell it, I'm here for you, or you can contact me. And and you know let the bookseller know that I'm not here to interrupt you when I haven't made an appointment and you've got other appointments. I just want to introduce myself. Unless they're real bastards, you know, uh, they should understand and appreciate and be happy to meet you, even if yeah. it's briefly. I love that. And give them a card with a sample book and maybe a cupcake. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting you should say that. <laughs> a, a it wasn't by Sally Kafoops, but I remember a book uh, some years ago, a publisher in the marketing department sent me, a, sent me an ARC, an advanced reading copy, mm. and with a note saying, this is a really enjoyable uh, weekend read, or I think it was wintertime, you, you know, it's a great book to sit in front of the heater or the fire, put your feet up and make a nice cup of tea and have a bicky and read this book. And they sent it with a tea bag and a little individual sachet biscuit. I love that. And, and it cost them next to nothing to add that to the package but it made it so stand out for me guess what i went home i made a cup of tea i ate the bicky i read that book and i loved it and then i hand sold it so mm. just that little idea you say a cupcake but just something that makes you or your book stand out or different and it or only took a tea bag and i was there you know because oh, that's good scott because all of them joking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you my address for the cupcake deliveries later, okay, no cool. problem. Done. Yeah. We're seeing That's a lot of that now, actually, pretty much. We're seeing a lot of authors coming in with. Yes. Um, recently, it's been biscuits with glitter on them. And so really? I bring them home and give them to my kids and they've discovered that you can <laughs> glitter. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that is extraordinary. Yes. You know, I've got to say, even as a podcaster, I've been getting uh, little presents with my books as well. So I got a little crystal the other day that was meant to be healing and I get tea bags and some chocolate. So, mm. you know, you do remember those chocolates. 
<laughs> yeah, but don't you agree it makes that book stand out from the stack of others you got yeah, that didn't have anything with them? It does. I've got a pile yeah. of about 50 that I can't possibly read in the month, so they need to stand out sometimes. I'm not saying send gifts, but they need to stand out. It's important that they stand <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, although if you are sending gifts, she likes diamonds, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this man, I like him. <laughs> Oh, dear. Hey, speaking of diamonds, uh, Rachel is, is certainly a, a diamond within the uh, the Glee book scene, and I want to get her... Oh, yes, I want to get her opinion here. Um, and yeah, Scott will obviously know some, some of this as well, given your history, Scott. But um, let's say none of that happened, and the book's on the shelf, right? And there's no cupcakes, there's no tea bags, yep. and none of that sort of stuff. <laughs> yep. The book's on the shelf. <laughs> what sells it, in your opinion? Is it is it uh, the cover, or is it the placement in the store? Or is there some other factor that will help it just walk out the door? Shelf talkers work really well for us. Um, I quite often the books that we do for book club are chosen by the kids. So I'll take a load of books upstairs and and I get them to choose what they want to read. Um, and then we come up with a little blurb. Um, as and the well shelf talkers, the are they the little things that stick on the shelf saying, yes, you know? Yes, just with the, with the book. Because I so, often put books, uh, on my own books, I put how good I think they are and I, I stick them on excellent. in different bookshops. Is that, yeah. is that yeah. you'd recommend that winner, as well? Winner, winner. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Great. You're going to be Great. banned doing that. from bookshops soon, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, and do you put your books in front of other authors' books so there's more on display? Your yeah, I make it look like it's just yeah. one shelf of my books. <laughs> but now, I think that's how an author knows their friends have been in their shop because they pick their books up from the bottom and they. I've been known to do this. <laughs> I see my friend's book right down the bottom. I'm like, oh, I think it's going to look better up here. I, yeah. do I actually do this. Yeah. I'm not sure our booksellers are really loving Sometimes this. Sometimes it's uh, down the bottom because of where their name is in the alphabet. You <laughs> exactly. Know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the shelf talkers, Rachel, they're the yes. big things. Yeah, I find that really affects sales. Um, okay. And a good cover couldn't go astray, though. And a great cover, yes. And we have yeah, display look, areas like star favourites and um, where, where people tend to well, go. Well, those little promo stickers are good also. You can get from the Bookseller Association that say, you know, star favourites, local author, signed ah. copy. You know, often we put those stickers in the front of the books. Obviously not a Booktopia. makes no difference. <laughs> Booktopia, <laughs> but in the physical bookshop um, because it attracts customers to to the books and, and uh, you know, they like to know it's a staff pick, like you said, Rachel, whether it's got a shelf talker or not, that sticker can help. But we yeah. say we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but the fact is that people do. And I found covers that are black backgrounds, they, a customer just doesn't pick them up as much, you know? So if it's an attractive cover, you want to get something that will make the customer want to pick it up and read the blurb. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you do have to get someone to pick it up in the first place yeah. so the cover certainly makes a difference mm. is that the first thing you see when those reps come in is, do you see the cover first sometimes you don't they don't have a cover ah right mm -hmm. okay so you but don't mostly. choose oh so you sometimes you do mm, interesting it's well i don't choose by the cover but you know it influences you obviously if it's yeah. a crappy cover you think oh god you know how will that look on the shelf but um it's also you know the placement and the front of the the title and the author but it's the other things we said before too you know the blurb of what the book's about uh, knowing about its publicity and and if the bookseller loves it and it's you're going to walk in the shop and we're going to say hey adrian you know you love this book let me show it to you mm. you know that was the hand selling that that i, I miss that i can't do 
virtually now that I used to do <laughs> in the shop. Um, the Sally Kafoop's latest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, that makes a big difference when you won over the bookseller and they hand sell it to the customer. Actually, Scott, you might remember this a few years ago. One of the big publishers uh, bought, try, they sold in a book that they weren't allowed to tell us who the author was, what it looked Ooh. like. You, They said um, every school in Australia will want one. Um, you you need to trust us and, and, and you know, Go go crazy on this one. And really, it's we embargoed. We can't tell you. We were nervous that this was going to be the future of publishing. That they, oh. the, we were going to be blind selling, and it ended up being. Do you remember this, Scott? It was uh, the Kevin Rudd picture book. Oh, oh. that's right, <laughs> Kevin Rudd picture book. And so, yes, I can't. I can't <laughs> we ended up ordering a few. We we had no idea until it came in. Mm. Like a lucky was. dip. It was a lucky dip. So mm. thankfully they didn't continue with that. Um, <laughs> Did they sell? If they tried that with his with his um, two-volume memoir for adults, we might have ordered more than we did knowing what the book was, actually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, every, every now and then a publisher does do that because for whatever reason it's, you know, worldwide embargoed, it's going to be released to the press the same day you can't know. But, you know, and you have to order a box quantity to make sure that you get it on the day. Yeah. And, and you know, oh. they tried it as a marketing thing and we'd say, oh, my God, you know, if you're that confident about the book, tell us what it is. You know, mm. we promise we won't tell anyone, but let us make an ordering decision. Uh, yeah. I never went for that sort of thing. But, yeah, they try that every now and then. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I don't yeah. like that at yeah. all. So we're, we're glad yeah. that it's... Well, sometimes a, it is because it's a big controversy. Yeah. There's some big reveal story that's going to be in the press. It's a reveal all political story, whatever. I get that sometimes things can't be, a, you know, they can't let you know ahead of time. But most of the time, it was a bit of a wank try-on. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I like how you just, just say it how it is, Scott. That's what I love. Now, I, I do have a question about, you know, you must have seen this um, when you're selling books, you know, in bookshops. Jackie French said that customers give books seven seconds before making a judgment on them. And if they pick it up for less than seven seconds, they're not going to buy it. If they pick it up for more than seven seconds, there's a good chance they're going to buy it. Did you see this? I mean, it's a science, right? Did you see this in your bookshops? I see it when... Uh, people ask for advice and I usually give them three books. So I'll ask them what they're interested in, mm. uh, what they've read, what they haven't liked, and then I'll give them three books. And you can see it is a seven second. You start on the spiel and you can see their eyes glaze over or you can see them really engaged. Um, so I, I think the seven second is, is right on the money. Well, they must have been a bit slow in Linfield because I gauged they took eight and a half seconds, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, 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 it's, I don't know if it's seven, but yes, in a very quick, uh, in a very short time, they, they make a decision, as you said, Rachel. And, and what you said is very important of giving them an option of two or three. Um, some booksellers make the mistake of saying, oh, there's this one or this one or this one or this yeah. one. And if you go more the customer gets overwhelmed and like, yeah. oh, I can't choose between them. It's too much. If you have quizzed them a little bit about what they like, other authors they've enjoyed, you can get a sense of the type of book that's right for them and two or three should be enough for them to choose from and uh, otherwise you'll bamboozle them. So, yeah, yeah, that's smart never to show more than that. Mm. 
very, very particularly smart. kids, but adults also. It's not just a kids thing; adults also. <laughs> so tell me this, okay? We've got the we've got these massive department stores, right? And they sell books by the truckload for like four bucks and six bucks and all that sort of stuff. And then we've got fabulous places, local businesses like Booktopia, Glee Books, and all the independent booksellers. Why, if we can afford to, why should we support? Uh, the independent booksellers and booktopias and things like that of the world. What you are doing, however, is supporting, uh, you know, employment of local kids, uh, supporting of local schools and charities and community groups that the bookshops every day support. And Booktopia does too, I must say, with lots of charities. But uh, the, the discount department stores that I shall not name are not known for supporting those local schools and, and charities and giving work experience to kids in the same way that the, uh, the bookshops do, the smaller bookshops. So you're helping the community more yeah, I think bookshops need to start gearing towards providing an experience for customers because you can get the book cheaper than you can get it from the publisher. Um, you need, you yeah, you need to get people coming in and, and having that, um, a, you know, whether it be through an event or that, that's why we do so many events at, at Clee Books is, is you want them to walk away with that feeling of they've just had had an amazing time. You're absolutely right. I spoke earlier about uh, the bookshops providing, you know, uh, in, uh, assistance to the community and con contribution to the industry, but the contribution to the customer, as you said, Rachel, for their experience is something that you can't replicate in a discount department store. You know, that, that recommendation of, oh, if you love this, you'll love that, and let me recommend this, and I've read it, and I can tell you about it. You won't find that expertise on the shop floor in a discount department store. If you find any staff member at all at a discount department store, um, it's the experience. You won't find signed copies. You won't find the event. Uh, you know, you won't find that you know let me learn about all the other titles that you'll you know share your knowledge with me about that just doesn't happen in the discount department stores they don't have the expertise they yeah. don't do the hand selling you won't have the experience yeah plus i think you're looking you're after right. the authors a little more too if you're a if you're going to your local businesses as well so uh always look after the local businesses and the local authors that's what i always say We've talked a lot. Of, we've talked a bit about signings and a bit about events and launches, etc. And I want to ask you. It's a bit of a, a two-pronged question. Do book signings and book launches help sell books? And if yes or no, what makes a successful author event? I think with kids' books, um, it's including the kids. I think that I, I've seen a lot of celebrations for new books coming out, and it's about the adults celebrating it but it's the kids are your audience that's what i love adrian does it well um nat amor is my famous favorite person in the world she <laughs> gets kids she she's doing it for the right reasons and and the kids the kids love it and they tell all their friends who then tell all their friends and it's it's about knowing your audience and and providing for that audience i think so and it works for adults just as well. I mean, it works in a couple of ways. Uh, the people who attend these events can get insight into the book and into its writing and the author, and that often enthuses them and encourages them to buy a copy that they might not have otherwise bought because they've now got this enthusiasm and inside knowledge. But people love signed copies. They love to have an autograph 
copy. I do too. You know, it's it makes a much more interesting gift if you can give a signed copy. And Booktopia doesn't do events, but we do do signed copies. We have authors come in and spend. You know, Michael Robotham came in a week ago with his new book, and he signed. You know, I like don't a know mountain. How thousands of copies. He was signing for hours. <laughs> yeah, it really was a mountain. I mean, literally thousands of copies he signed all afternoon. And and it allows us to say on the website, signed copies available. And a lot of people who mightn't otherwise buy will say, oh, I'll buy that now because the mm. signed copies. And it's the same in the bookshop when they have an event. You know, it's a nice, nicer for a collection. It's nicer for a gift. So, yes, it does make a difference. Apart from creating goodwill when you have an event, um, I think it really adds to, to your the sales too yeah and books have you do some great digital events too they do a lot of uh, terrific uh uh, interviews online as well. Yeah, well, like this, we do podcasts and interviews and uh, Instagram, and we've got a whole you know social media team that take care of that stuff. That's far too clever for me to do, but <laughs> um, but yeah, we do we do promos online that we can, and we do, we have signed copies, but we can't replicate that live you know event that Rachel's talking about with the kids and the enthusiasm and the the people. Of course, we given what we we are we we can't do live events but we do our best to do the virtual ones yeah i love i love those booktopia pictures with the author signing just a mountain of books i love those pictures yeah it's quite astounding yeah Yeah. it is is. now we and and it makes me laugh because i've seen both sides of it because i would have an author signing and i'd be thrilled to have you know 10 or 20 copies signed and now i see booktopia you know michael robotham (laughs) signing you know Three thousand. Like, oh my god! You know? But it's it's a it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's just quite a different side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we end all our fabulous publisher insider episodes with a, uh, a sort of a strange ending. I have to say, um, we get an author to send in a question. We disguise their voice. And uh, they ask a question of whichever guest we have on. And, of course, obviously, we've got some terrific booksellers on with us this evening. So we're going to uh, go to the question that was pitched towards booksellers. And we have to disguise the voice of this anonymous author. And this is the question that they have for you both. What's the most remarkable thing, good or bad, that's ever happened to you in a bookshop? Great question, anonymous author. Thank you, whoever sent that in. That was Did I recognise Marcus Zuzak? Was that him? (laughs) Absolutely. You nailed it. It could have been. (laughs) I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. So we had Julia Donaldson just before lockdown for Rhyme Time. Um, And she came in with her husband, Malcolm, who looks quite a bit like the Gruffalo. (laughs) Uh, And he acted out the story and it was fabulous. But we... Uh, when when they were acting it out, one of the kids thought he was actually attacking Julia, and then oh, no. started attacking um, Malcolm. Oh, oh, no. So that got Malcolm. a little bit messy. But that also led on to one of my favourite bookselling experiences ever, because we ended up that night. The publishers took about fifteen booksellers to uh, the State Theatre. They hired a room above the State Theatre with Malcolm and Julia. And they had written little parts of some of her books as plays and we all got to act out um, all her books. It was a bunch of adults acting out. Oh, wow. Julie Donaldson books, lubricated with lots of champagne. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Which bit did you do, Rachel? Uh, I think I was the fox at one point. We did did quite a few. We went through the whole, yes. (laughs) With whom? Yes, you are, Rachel. uh, Yes. Well, next time you have one of those parties when we're not 
call me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're on, girlfriend. <laughs> what about Scott? Well, two, two, two little incidences come to mind in my bookselling days. Uh, one was um, when... <laughs> It was at the time with the, all the Jane Austen uh, books were being made into TV series and movies and Pride and Prejudice was the most popular surgence of interest of people wanting to, to read Jane Austen. And um, a young woman came in, she was about 19 or 20, I guess, and she said, you know, do you have um, Pride and Prejudice? And I said, yes, we do. Here it is. I've got a few editions of it. The... Yeah, TV tying cover and the other one, blah, 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 hardcover. And she said, oh, you've got a few of them. She said, do you have anything else that Jane Austen wrote? And I said, yeah, we've actually got... Oh, I rattled off the names of all the Jane Austen titles that I kind of knew off the top of my head. And she said, boy, you, you know them off, off by heart. And I said, well, yeah, they're pretty popular. And I you know, studied some at school. And she said, is she still writing? And I said, no, no, she died in 1814, I think. Um, and she said, oh, really? She said, oh, I, I can't stay any longer. I'll have to come back. She said, I'm late for my uni lecture. And I thought, please, God, don't let her be studying literature. The, the customer who didn't know if Jane Austen was still writing or not. Um, and then the other, uh, the other one was uh, a regular customer who was a nun uh, she was a retired nun a lovely lady sister margaret and uh, she came in we just had a blackout the whole street was dark and uh, she said oh what's happened and i said oh sister we've had a had a blackout you know i said but if you need any books i know where they are i can find them for you and she said, oh, no. She said, how long have you had that? I said, well, an hour off. It's a bit difficult. We're waiting for the lights to go back on. And she clapped her hands and she said, Lumen Christi, light of Christ. And as she did that, all the lights came back on. Oh, my and goodness. And I was just flabbergasted. And I said, Smith, she smiled and she said, all those years in the convent were talking upstairs, she said, had to be for something. And I tell you, I'm a good Jewish boy, but I almost converted then. I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. Lumen Christi, light of Christ. And the light was on the books again. That's so it was fun times. I won't tell you about the nasty, you know, incidences with customers. There, there are two fun ones there. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's a good one to end the, on, I the, think. Well, the one not so fun is when the apartment upstairs from the bookshop uh, had a leak. Uh, uh, there overflowed from their laundry, uh, a broken pipe, and suddenly we had a waterfall coming through the ceiling oh. over the books. That didn't do very well. Hmm. But we made a little display of books about, you know, gardening and watering your garden. We put around this big puddle in the table, and that, that went over well for That's a while. That's clever. After. That's clever. You needed the nun to come back. She could, have, she could have turned the water into wine or something. It would have been fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have. should have called back the sister. That's right. Anyway, fun and fun times in book selling. Oh, that was great. We love booksellers. We Absolutely. love what you guys do. We love Booktopia. We love Glee Books. We love that you get the hands, you get books into the hands of young readers and not so young readers as well. And we just love it. So thank you so much for everything you do for the bookish community. It's awesome. 
I just want to make a, f a final uh, request to people listening. You know, it's difficult times, particularly for the small bookshops now, uh, trying to pay their rent when they're in lockdown. Um, you know, the, the passing parade of customers has decreased dramatically. It's very hard for them. Uh, we are delighted that in lockdown people use us, of course. But if you can, please support your local independent bookshop. Go in, buy a book from them. They need you. Uh, we'll be there for you all the time. If you can't get out, you can come to us. But if you can, go and support your local independent now because that they're trying to keep the lights on so yes. scott what you're saying is Thank as you. soon as you get off this podcast buy 12 books from an independent bookstore buy 12 books from booktopia and just go home and read them because what else yeah. are we going to do in sydney yeah exactly and we'll them to forget you for about free. streaming tv <laughs> yeah there's lots of books to read i've been i've been having a lot of baths in lockdown so it's perfect reading time except i always drop the book in the bath but that's another story <laughs> i hope it's not the kindle <laughs> no it's always the book i always yeah, end up with a yourself. crinkly book i don't know i get too relaxed i I, I spent a lot of my reading time in the bath too i must say in fact i just moved into a new home and there wasn't a bath and we took out the oh. shower stall and we put in a bath just so i could have my day off soaked with my book Wonderful. you are really my enjoy. people scott you are my people i've been surviving lockdown by having a daily bath that's, yeah. that's how i'm in the bath right now it's wonderful <laughs> Just uh, feeling the water going over my back. It's just del delightful I thought, in here. I thought it was a bit echoey where you were, Adrian. <laughs> yes, that's right. I've lost the soap, but I, that's fine. I think I'll we're going to end right well, now. You've really made a splash with me, Adrian. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> and this is probably where we should end it. <laughs> but, yeah, as Adrian said, thank you so much. We love you guys. And, um, you know, we love bookshops. And so thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have you seen my back scrubber? Anyone? <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking Sally people. Sally Kifops took it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I think people are in the, in the bath with me. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, how many people you got in that bath? Yeah, it's a big bath. The jacuzzi. <laughs> it's like one of those Japanese baths. <laughs> wow, that, that took a turn. 